This is literally everything. 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 It's time to cut off all communication with the outside world. Dust off your old VCR and gather your collection of mixtapes. Then tease those bangs, put on your favorite pair of leg warmers. The nostalgia bug has bitten and we're here to scratch the itch. I'm Odell. I'm Aaron. It's time to go back where we belong. Hello, you magical little unicorn people. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great unicorn intro. Unicorn people. Best intro ever. Best. What's up? Well, I mean, I just watched the movie from my childhood that just about killed me. And I mean, that's what's up. (laughs) I watched it um, last night, Mm -hmm. you know, because I love when I don't have to prepare Anything for these? And you literally don't prepare anything because we have to wait for you to get your song together before we start. I know. I know. I prepare absolutely nothing when it's your thing. But um, so I watched it last night. So it's very fresh on my brain. Okay. So yeah, and I, I like it about doing that. Ago. Yeah. See, I, if I'm going to make notes about it, I'll watch it a week in advance. If I don't have to, though, I want to soak it all in. And it was amazing. So nice. that is what's up with me. That's it. I also have a very weird sunburn pattern on my legs. That's the only <laughs> other thing because we are like hitting record. I, the Earth has I never saw been that. You guys are getting like the heat dome that we had a couple of years ago. We, yes, yes, and I think we're done with the dome now. But now it's regular July temperatures, which isn't that different from the dome. They just yeah. came a little earlier. That's all. Yeah. So it's still miserable. I went into a. a a pool this last weekend. Mm-hmm. It was 91 degrees in the pool. In the pool? In the pool. That's just uncomfortable. I, it was bath water. Right. Warm bath water. Yeah. It was awful. It was awful. It didn't last long. I was like, I, I'm taking a bath with three other people and I'm <laughs> not awkward. getting clean. And there are no bubbles. <laughs> There's no bubbles. There's no soap. This is just awkward. And the dog kept getting in. So I'm like, now I'm, re- I just, now I just need a shower. Right. It's just bad. So then I guess I shouldn't tell you that yesterday it was 79 here and I sat outside on my back deck and read most of the day and <sighs> grilled some meat. <laughs> We've been really lucky. <laughs> like last week it was supposed to get almost up to 100, but then it only got to 95 one day. So I was prepared for like to be really miserable and then I ended up not being miserable. So that's always a happy time for me because I get cranky when it's over 85, just ridiculously cranky. Yeah, you do. I remember you getting cranky down here and it's like, bish, you live here now. I I know. I was like cranky all the time. You really were. (laughs) It was always hot. You really were. But yeah, you would like, there was definitely a difference between cool Odell and hot Odell. Yeah. So it was like two months out of the year when I lived in Houston that I was actually happy me. That you were happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah. It doesn't make me happy at all, mm-hmm. the heat. But that's the thing is that our summers down here look very different from summers like when it's in, in more northern areas. Because mm-hmm. like up in the north, you could be outside every single day. 
Yeah. You know, for the most part. I mean, the North still has ridiculous temperatures sometimes and all mm-hmm. that too. But for the most part, summers are for being outside. That's right. what it used to be down here. But now summers are for high AC bills, staying inside and having movie days, mm-hmm. going over to a friend's house and having a movie. <laughs> Going over to a friend's house, if they have a lot of shade over the pool, it might be okay. <laughs> that's really what it, going to restaurants and eating indoors, yeah. not on the patio. I mean, that's, everything is indoors in the summer. Whereas in our winter, that's when it's perfect. Everything's mm-hmm. outside, unless it's a random snowpocalypse. And then yeah. no one knows what to do. It's, <laughs> uh, it is so messed up down here. Although I will say the summer thunderstorms in Houston, yeah, I don't feel like anything beats that. I right. love a summer thunderstorm in Houston. Yeah. If it's not Harvey. We seem to go <laughs> to extremes. We're either a beautiful, like peaceful, thund- good old fashioned thunderstorm, yep. or we are lowering the earth's crust by a centimeter because of the <laughs> amount of rain. Like there is no in between down here. We're either like baking, like every time I go outside, I smell chicken. Like we're either <laughs> baking ourselves or it's freezing and your electricity is shut down because our governor's an idiot. Like right. there's no in between. Yeah. Full of extremes. It is. Well, today we're going back to November of 1982. Do you remember what you were doing in 1982? Well, Odell, I do. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> um, 1982, my parents' divorce was finalized right before my birthday. Okay, so... I was turning four. Okay. In 1982. My grandfather also died that December. Okay. But we had never met him before. And they took us to the hospital to, like, say goodbye to him. But then they didn't allow kids up there. So it was just, like, a weird trip to the hospital. (laughs) So there was that. This was our first year of living in the Gray House, is what we called it. We used to live in Sharpstown, which used to be fancy down in Houston. Mm -hmm. And then it's not. Right. (laughs) It's not. It's a bit like a very high crime area. But so is our first year in the Gray House, which is one of my favorite houses. I think that was the year Alicia hit. Hurricane Mm. Alicia was 1982. There was a lot going on that year. Evidently. A lot. My brother started kindergarten. My mom okay. made him hug me on the first day of school as his friend Rob was picking him up. And he was so angry. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. Um, and I started piano this year. And I'm currently a piano teacher. So, yeah, nice. 82 is a big year. Okay. And I saw the last unicorn. So, All right. that part was pretty damn good. Well, I was 10 years old. Was in fourth grade. That's about all I remember. Oh, I do remember though. There was this one. <laughs> this is the year that I learned what a hemorrhoid was. Is oh, <laughs> <laughs> because our childhoods were very different in 1982. <laughs> um, how did you learn this? So there was a one? girl in our class. I'm not going to say her name, only because I'm just afraid that someone's going to hear this and be like calling her, saying, "Oh, Cheryl? Cheryl? talking about you on." <laughs> so. There was this little play area in the back of our classroom, and there was a card game. It was a strawberry shortcake card game that was like, it was almost like dominoes where you had to match the cards. It was like 
Okay. Half of the card was maybe strawberry shortcake. The bottom half was purple pie man. And then you had to match either a strawberry shortcake or a purple pie man and keep building right. on it. And okay. then whoever got rid of their cards first won. Well, okay. this particular girl, she would like commandeer the table. And she was a bigger girl. She was kind of like, she's one of those like poor me, but also kind of mean, like you didn't really fuck with her. Right, 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 right. So she would dart back to the table. She was like head honcho of the strawberry shortcake game. <laughs> And she, God, that's a title. Go on. (laughs) She was one day she randomly confided in me that she had a hemorrhoid. And I didn't know what a hemorrhoid was. So I'm thinking like, oh, God, cancer. Right. Because she was like very down. I was like, are you okay?" You know, trying to be your friend because she was big, tough. Right. You you didn't want to get on her bad side. Are you okay? I said, oh, I have a hemorrhoid. I'm like, oh my God, this is something horrible. Like <laughs> She's going to die. <laughs> right, she might die. So then I told my friend, like, yeah, so-and-so said that she has a hemorrhoid. And she's like, she started laughing. And I was like, she could die. She's like, no, it's not. It's a bump on your butthole. So, of course, it's something like when it's related to the butthole. Then I um, thought it was hilarious. So then we went around and told everyone. And then we were on her shit list. For the rest of the year. (laughs) I don't blame her. I don't. And you know she has a problem with (laughs) shit right now. So, okay. Well, we know what we were doing in 1882. We've learned all about hemorrhoids. How about we talk about what was going on in the world? Please. So, on November 9th, Sugar Ray Leonard retired for the first time. I love that. For the first time. For the first time. (laughs) So, of course, I had to Google how many times did he retire? Mm -hmm. So he made a comeback and then retired again in 1984. So just two years later. Okay. And then was enticed to return to the ring in 1987 when he fought Marvelous Marvin Hagler in what is considered one of the greatest boxing matches of all time. Who won? Did Sugar Ray? I think he did. Yeah. Boom, bitch. Okay. On November 30th. Tom Brady retiring. Or you know what we were talking about last night? The Eagles are going on a farewell tour. And I was like, haven't they? done so many it's kind of like share she's done Cher about five farewells and Elton john my god right? how many farewells do you need mm-hmm. and you're coming to the same places it's not even like let's go say goodbye to you know benton louisiana you're coming back to houston for three nights right yeah november 30th thriller the sixth studio album by michael jackson was released i feel like that should have been like an october release it definitely should have been. When was like the, a, this was in November? November 30th. Okay. Yeah, it should have been. That was his sixth album? Are mm-hmm. they including Jackson 5? I think so. They had because to Because I think Thriller the only one like, before this was Off the Wall. Yeah. Yeah, they had, okay, they and had then, to have included Jackson 5. Yeah. On November 20th, seven-year-old Drew Barrymore hosted Saturday Night Live. Oh, can you Only imagine? time they ever had a kid Post Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Is there a reason right. for that? <laughs> well, it, it, I was reading something about this and they said that it was just like they had to have a kid handler. Like one person right. in the cast was kind of like her chaperone through the night. And they had to pull back some of the questionable content right. because there was a kid. So that it wasn't difficult. that well received. The cast included Robin Duke. No idea who that is. Mary Gross. Brad Hall. Tim Kazarinsky, Gary Kroger, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo, and the musical guest was Squeeze. 
Okay. Yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. But there was one skit that kind of made me laugh. It included one where Drew Barrymore played Gertie, her character mm-hmm. from E.T. She accidentally killed E.T. And then Mr. T came to the house looking for his son. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, that's cute. That's cute. So this was after E.T. Like, th- that's why she was there. Yeah. Was for, for E.T. E. Basically. Yeah. Okay. During this episode, the audience at home was given the chance to vote on whether or not Andy Kaufman, who was a regular guest on Saturday Night Live, should be banned from the show. So the vote was conducted via a 1-900 number, and at the end of the night, the people had spoken and Kaufman was banned from ever performing on Saturday Night Live again. Did they announce it on SNL? They did announce that um, the audience won, that he shouldn't be back. And I guess what pushed it over the edge was, so Dick Ebersol, who was the show's producer, wasn't happy when Andy Kaufman did a sketch about wrestling women. And I guess this was a regular thing, like he was wrestling women and he would always win. Um, So he banned him from appearing on Saturday Night Live after some complaints. But then Andy Kaufman said, this really should be left up to the audience. Like, if the audience likes me, we should let them vote and then I should get to come back. And so he was like, "Okay, okay, fine. So they did a live poll. And when the votes were counted, um, the keep Andy votes were 169,186. But the dump Andy votes were 195,544. Wow. And what's sad was he died like a year later. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him, his obsession with wrestling. I had totally forgotten about that. But did you see Man on the Moon or whatever? With Long time ago. I don't yeah, I saw it when it came out. It. Yeah. Um, I just remember died. him from Do you Taxi. Remember? I, I don't. loved him on Taxi. I loved him, but like there, there reached a, a point off. that was, yeah, I loved him, but I would never have wanted to share a stage with him. I would never have trusted right. him at all in yeah. on stage or anything like as a fellow actor, I would never have trusted him. Mm-hmm. Mm. So at this time, computers began to replace typewriters and the Commodore 64 grew in popularity in the home. Mm-hmm. Leg warmers were very popular this year, thanks to Olivia Newton-John's physical that we had released the year before, and then movies Fame and Flashdance, where they yes. were featured prominently. VCRs were just starting to become popular. The Time Person of the Year was the computer. So it was the Time oh, yeah. Machine of the yeah, Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie Nelson's song, You Were Always on My Mind, won Song oh. of the Year at the Grammys. And this is when the Walkman began its rise in popularity. Staple of the 80s. That was a game changer. Mm -hmm. In fashion, sweaters, fur-lined puffer jackets, tunics, ripped jeans, leotards, velour tracksuits, tube Mm. tops, knee-length skirts, high-waisted pants, and embroidered jeans were all popular. And the colors at this time were all subdued, quiet, and basic, and were varying shades of brown, tan, and orange, which is just that surprises me. Why does that surprise me? Brown, yeah, we hadn't quite got into the neon because that was more like eighty-five, eighty-six when the neon started taking over. Brown, tan, and orange reminds me of like suburban seventies. Yes, you know, and Halloween. Yeah. Our whole house was brown, tan, and orange when I was born. I remember we had a brown, tan, and orange couch and love seat. Yeah. 
We, had we that. also had, did you and have the, the gilded carpet? mirrors? Yes, shag carpet. Oh, the gilded did you have mirrors, mirrors on the on one wall. <laughs> yes. We, in fact, in our, so we moved to the gray house. This was in 82 and we were in the gray house. And then my mom remarried and they built a house a block away. And in that house, we did have floor to ceiling mirrors in the yeah. dining room that I would face while I dance. Mm-hmm. Ours were in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I'd it was like a big open there. space. It like went dining room, living room. The piano was right there. So I had a beautiful stage to work with. I like to sit on the couch. And when something surprising on TV would happen, I'd turn and look at myself in the mirror and go. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. All right. Let's talk about some music. Top 10 songs this week. Number 10, Muscles by Diana Ross. I don't remember that song at all. Okay. All right. Number nine was Steppin' Out by Joe Jackson. I don't think I remember that either. No. Number eight was Little Man Eater by Daryl Hall and John Hello. Love that song. Number seven, Mickey by Tony Basil. Amazing. Loved it. Number six, Who Can It Be Now by Men at Work. Amazing. Number five, A Little Heart Light, the theme from E.T. by Neil Diamond. (laughs) Number four, Gloria. By Laura Branigan. Number three, Heart Attack by Olivia Newton-John. I do remember that, of course, because I was like the biggest Olivia Newton-John fan ever. Um, Number two, Truly by Lionel Richie. And number one, Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes, the love song from Officer and a Gentleman. (sighs) Beautiful. So this week, I'm adding Jack and Diane. By John Mellencamp. It was number 11 Little that ditty. week. When you hear that, those guitar strums at the first, you just, you stop everything that you're doing. It's almost like when Jesse's Girl comes on and you hear yes. that guitar at the first, you just stop everything yes. and you jam. Yes. And then you continue about your day. I'm also adding Gloria by Laura Branigan, which was at number four. Let me go week. ahead and cut that out of my list. Please do. <laughs> and then tell me what you're adding. I'm adding Who Can It Be Now? Love it. So good. The other one I was going to add, and here's a fun little fact. Okay. That actually on my other podcast, Here's Drinking With You Kid, you would know from Easy Rider, Tony Basil mm-hmm. is in Easy Rider. I think I remember that. She did Mickey. Hey, Mickey, yes, so mm-hmm. fun. And I always thought when I saw that video that she was older than yeah. I would have pictured. Well, that's because she was like... She was in tons of movies in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she was definitely older when yeah. she did Mickey. I was shocked to hear that she had had like a career before that. Mm-hmm. And wasn't she like a cheerleader? Yes, in the call it video. Cheerleader and a choreographer or something. She was in the video, but I think because she was oh, when she was She younger, was a choreographer. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I would assume she was a cheerleader. I yeah. mean, it just makes sense. But yeah, that was going to be my other song. If well, mm-hmm. my other one was "Man Eater" oh, by Hall Notes. I love Hall Notes. We need good to get one. some Hall Notes on the playlist. We do need to. Man Eater is a great one. Well, the you know that 1982, it's going to be on there for quite a few yeah weeks. It'll be in the top 40. So there was no Sweet Valley High book this month because the series didn't debut until a year later in October of 1983. So I figure we'll finish this segment with a Mad Lib. Yay! And look what I got. Richard Simmons oh. Mad Libs. <laughs> because nothing says nothing 1980 
like Richard Simmons. That is really true. So this one is titled Groovin' in the House. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, let's do this. So I need a part of the body. Pinky. Pinky finger. Okay. Uh, a noun. Uh, let's do monopoly. A verb ending in ing. Skipping. An adjective. Um, ballsy. A place. Astroworld. Exclamation. Oh, an exclamation. Yowza! <laughs> Said only like that. A type of event. Baptism. <laughs> A plural noun. Um, uh, I always look around the room <laughs> whenever I do that. Pictures. Okay. Article of clothing, plural. Leg warmers. Okay. A color. Fuchsia. Adjective. Uh, splendid. A vehicle. 1972 Camaro. An occupation. Plumber. Plumber? Yeah. They said former, and I was like, a former what? <laughs> and a Plumber. verb ending in ing. Um, uh, da -da 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 -da. fasting. Okay, here we go. Grooving in the house. Mm, okay. Get up and shake your pinky finger. There's no monopoly to waste. Skipping till the ballsy light will have you feelings based. Okay. <laughs> Come on down to Richard's Astroworld and shout Yowza and be free. The baptism will make you shake for all the pictures to see. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Let the music move you. Leave your leg warmers on the floor. Fuchsia lights and splendid sounds will have you wanting more. So hop in your 1972 Camaro and come on down. Bring a plumber or bring a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is welcome when you're fasting in Richard's house. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like that could, I like the, what was it, the ballsy fuchsia lights? <laughs> skipping till the ballsy lights will have you feeling spaced. Oh, see, skipping to the ballsy lights. I can see that. It almost feels like I just see all these lights cult. that look like balls, <laughs> right. like men's balls <laughs> hanging from the ceiling yes. or hanging out of a pair of short shorts like he always wore. Yes. Oh, my God, his shorts. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that, like, for a long time, I would say Richard Simmons when talking about Gene Simmons <laughs> and then I reverse it? <laughs> they don't fit. They don't no, fit each other's not lives. <laughs> not at all. No. All right, that's the Mad Lib. That's our setting the stage. How about we take a break and then we'll chat about the movie. Sounds good. When a young unicorn learns that she is in danger and that she may soon be the last of her kind, she leaves the safety of her protected forest and enlists the help of Schmendrick, a gentle, albeit clumsy, sorcerer. Together, they embark on a long and dangerous journey with one goal, to defeat the evil King Haggard and save the unicorns from extinction. So 
The Last Unicorn was released on November 19th, 1982, as I stated earlier. It was produced by Rankin Bass Films and distributed by Jensen Farley Pictures. It has a runtime of 93 minutes, had a budget of $3.5 million, and it made $2.25 million in its opening weekend, and then nice. ended up grossing $6,455,000 worldwide. Okay. It has That's a run. Does that include like on VHS and stuff? Just No, that was just like it's theatrical. Just theater. Okay. Mm-hmm. It has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 77% and an audience score of 86%. Sounds better. The critical consensus from Rotten Tomatoes reads, The Last Unicorn lacks the fluid animation to truly sparkle as an animated epic, but offbeat characters and an affecting storytelling make it one of, the, one of a kind for the true believers. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. see that. Totally agree. So the week before this movie opened, we're going to go through the top 10 movies. At number 10, we had Monsignor. No idea what that is. Mm-mm. At number nine, The Man from Snowy River. Used to love that when I was a kid. Okay. At number eight, They Call Me Bruce. Never saw it. Number seven, My Favorite Year. I remember hearing about that movie, but yeah. I couldn't tell you what it is. I just, nope. the title sounds familiar. Number six was Class Reunion. I think that was the National Lampoon movie that was directed by John Hughes, which. I used to think was hysterical. I haven't seen it in years. Okay. Number five, The Missionary. Never saw it. What was happening in 1982? <laughs> then, then we get into ones I've heard of. So number four, Officer and a Gentleman. Okay. It had been in the theaters for 16 weeks and was still at number four. Number three was E.T., The Extraterrestrial, which had been in theaters for 23 weeks and was still at number three. Yeah. Number two was First Blood. Okay. And then at number one, debuting that week was Creep Show. So okay, wasn't that the one with the gremlin on the airplane wing? Yeah, was it Creep Show? Oh, no, that was Twilight was, Zone. It was like a monkey. That was a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, or the movie. I can't remember, but that was the one with John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. Freaking creepy. So when this movie premiered, the week that it premiered, it came in at number six. Other mm-hmm. movies opening that weekend were Heidi's Song. Which premiered at number seven. Did you ever see that? It was an animated version of Heidi. I remember seeing that and loving it as a kid. And then that week, also Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back debuted at number one. Oh, that's the best one. And then it dropped First Blood to number two, Creep Show to number three, ET to number four, and Officer and a Gentleman number five. Okay. 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 So the screenplay for The Last Unicorn was written by the book's author Peter S. Beagle. And was directed by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass, better known for all of the classic Christmas shows that I grew up on and love so much. I still watch them every year. So if you were a Rudolph fan or Santa Claus is Coming to Town, any of those, these guys were responsible. They also did animated movies of The Hobbit and like Return of the King, like The Lord of the Rings series as well. yeah. Which is what, when Peter S. Beagle found out that they wanted to make the movie, he had seen The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings versions that they had done. And so he was totally on board with them taking over. Right. So this movie features a pretty talented voice cast of pretty big names. So we had Mia Farrow as the voice of the unicorn or and Amalthea when she's in her mm-hmm. human form. We had Alan Arkin as the voice of Schmendrick, the bumbling Rest in magician. Peace. 
We have Christopher Lee as the voice of King Haggard. Mm-hmm. We had Jeff Bridges as the voice of Prince Lear. We so had young. Angela Lansbury as the voice of Mommy Fortuna. Oh. And Renee Abrajanis as the voice of the skeleton in the, cl- in the castle. Who, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So revisit, had, when was the last time you had seen this movie? So I saw it. I watched it constantly as a kid on our VHS tape. And then probably I saw it again when I was 18 mm-hmm. um, because my friend, I was over at her house and she had, the, uh, no, I was 17. Uh, she had the movie on VHS okay. and I was like, oh my God, because I didn't have my copy anymore. So I watched it over there once. That is the last time. So it's been, I mean, 25 years over. Yeah. yeah. 25, close to 30 years. Yeah, that I had seen it. But I will say, it's one of those where, you know, when you have those movies as a kid, where it's more about remembering the feeling or mm-hmm. remembering like one certain thing, like you kind of glom on to one thing. Yeah. For me, it was the Red Bull. I was terrified of that bull. Mm-hmm. And so Adam, last night when I was about to start it, he was like, what is this about? I was like, I mean, there are no more unicorns. There's one left, and there's a bull, and then the unicorns come over the water. That's what I remember. (laughs) That's it. I did not remember Mommy Fortuna. I did not remember Schmendrick, even. I didn't remember anything except the Red Bull and them coming over the water. And I remember feeling like the unicorn wore heels. (laughs) She was so on top of her toes. So those are the things that I remembered Uh from it. And then just a feeling of like, I mean, I just, I knew it was sad. I knew that I would cry every time they came over that water. Mm-hmm. I knew, I remember being so scared that the last unicorn was going to get it, you know, mm-hmm. that the Red Bull would successfully push her out. I remember things like that. When I saw it in high school, I was like, oh my God, this movie is bad. But yeah. I've since now grown up, <laughs> have children of my own, and... I mean, a lot of, you know, having kids is you are reliving your childhood, even Mm -hmm. though they're teenagers now and I should be reliving like smoking and stuff. But (laughs) with, um, with this one, I mean, it was back to when I was a kid. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I hadn't seen it probably since maybe I was in high school. Did you see it in the theater when it came out? I did. So this one and Heidi's song, I remember my grandmother, I was obsessed. I wanted to see this movie because I was obsessed with anything magical. Mm-hmm. And so there were times in my life where my grandmother would go to run errands and she would take me with her and we would sneak and see a movie. And like, I was not, I was forbidden so to tell cute. anyone that we'd gone to a movie. So she took me to see Xanadu. <laughs> my God. And she took me to see this. And Do you then, feel like grandma saw you? <laughs> She you know, it's was funny because like, I feel like she did, but she also, I was her first grandchild. Mm, so yeah. whatever I wanted, it was, she just didn't you question it. Get it. Because when grandma finally found out I was, I'm gay, then she kind of put up a wall and it mm. wasn't like as happy. To, like she was happy to see me, but it wasn't the like tears to see me when I came home. I was like, yeah. oh, hey, how are you? So, you know, whatever. Good on mm. you, grandma. But, um, so Is I did. And then, huh? Is she still no, with no, us? No, no, okay. no. But I remember we had a copy of it. I think we'd recorded it when I came on like the Disney channel or something. 
but it's something I would put on whenever, since I was the oldest grandchild, I was also the babysitter. So there would be times when we would have a billion kids at the house. And so this is one of those movies, this and The Secret of Nim or Heidi song that Mm -hmm. I would put on to entertain them (laughs) while Mm -hmm. so they would stay out of my hair. But I haven't seen it, like I said, since high school. I will admit that when I watched it again last week, I was a little underwhelmed. Were you? Yeah. Like it didn't have the same. That the it's terrible because of what we have now. Right. I mean, that we've seen how good it can get. And the literal music video when the they sing the last unicorn when the movie is starting. And it's literally like everything that they're saying, they're singing, they're showing something like a picture of that on the screen. Yes. And it just made me think of the literal music videos that people have done, like with Total Cups of the Heart and stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I also, the harpy, I remember the harpy. That's being, like the condor thing. Yeah. I do. As With soon the as it titties. came on. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the tree thing? No, the, the harpy was like the, looks. it looks like a, the condor, but the, what are they called? They eat dead shit. Vulture? Vultures, yes. Looks kind of like that, but she had three titties. She's perched up on the thing. She had three boobs. Oh, I didn't realize the three and then titties. I didn't notice that she shit. Like while she's sitting I did there, not notice there are that white droppings time. coming out of her. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> I know. I so remember I her... as it was going, as it was playing, I was like, oh my God, I remember this part. I remember being like really weirded out that we just saw her eat someone. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what it looked like when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, I remember, I remember that scaring her. Me. I remember being scared of that when I saw it mm-hmm. in the theater. And I remember being scared of the skeleton that was mm-hmm. watching the clock. And the Red Bull. Mm-hmm. So basically, and like I said in the intro, we have a unicorn who hears some hunters in the woods say that, you know, they're not, they're out hunting, but they're not going to find any game there because there's a unicorn in the forest. And the unicorns protect all living creatures in the forest. And it's always spring, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then they mention that she's the last unicorn. And she's like, wait, am I? Because evidently unicorns are lone creatures. I don't know. I know. Did you not? How old are you, girl? Did you not notice before? Like, where'd your parents go? <laughs> right. So she's like, wait, am I the last? So she goes on a little journey. She meets a butterfly who sings in riddles and basically finally tells her a big red bull chased all of the unicorns into the sea and she is the last. And she better hope that the bull don't find her. But rather than heed the warning, she decides she's going to set off to find out if that's true. <laughs> Of course, of course. And maybe help set them free. So along the way, she meets Schmendrick, who is really, really, really wants to be more magical than he is. He works with a traveling circus where this woman, Mommy Mommy Fortuna, puts hexes or glamour spells on these random animals to make them look like something they're not. Yeah. And then one night, the unicorn is set free. She sets free the harpy who then kills Mommy Fortuna and her little companion dude. And she had said the unicorn was like, your death waits in that cage. Mm-hmm. And even Mommy Fortuna, she knew. Yep. So then after that, their kid, Schmendrick is kidnapped by this rogue bandit crew. He does some magic. And brings Robin Hood and his merry men to walk through the forest. And Mm -hmm. they realize, oh, wait, he is magic. We can maybe get some money from him. So they tie him up to the tree. He tries to get free from the tree. And some, it turns into this tree with big titties that's smothering him. Giant titties. (laughs) 
And then the unicorn finally comes, sets him free. He and one of the women from the band of bandits comes with him. Her name's Molly. Yeah. So they go off with the unicorn to find this castle. They meet the Red Bull. Schmendrick doesn't know what to do. He wants to save the unicorn, so he does some magic and turns her into a human. And then they proceed to go to the castle, and they meet King Haggard. She learns that Haggard has captured all of the unicorns and put them in the sea so that he can look at them to remember his youth. He wants to contain their beauty all for him. And meanwhile, she and his adopted son start falling in love. But she's a unicorn, and she wants to go back to being a unicorn. And there you have it. That's the story. There you have it. I'll tell you the parts that affected me this time that never made a mark on me before. Mm -hmm. Molly, when she's crying, saying, where were you 10 years ago? Where were you 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. Because she had always just kind of been waiting for the, you know, she was a maiden waiting for her own unicorn to come. That broke my heart. Yeah, That really broke my heart because you're like, you're past the age where you you know, in, in your dreams where you get that. Right. Like, that sucks with growing older. Like, I relate to that now mm-hmm. that I didn't before. I never real understood when I was younger, why is she so pissed off at her? You know, when yeah. you don't. And so I Googled it this time of that round. I was like, why is she? But I guess it, there used to be a legend that maidens would see a unicorn when they were mm-hmm. younger as they were moving into womanhood and they would bless them with beauty, hope, and joy. And Molly uh. never saw her unicorn. And then she was result, you know, her life led her to this band to cook for this band of bandits. Yeah. So she never got her magic and happy ending. So, yeah, that whole scene. And then when uh, when the unicorn becomes human and her saying, I can feel myself dying mm-hmm. like that hit me. Yeah, this time. that hit me this time, too. Yeah. I mean, because as we get older, like, we feel like, God, I'm not what I was in my youth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from the second you're born, you're dying. Right. And to come from being, like, you know, immortal, mm-hmm. where you never have that feeling, to suddenly jumping into that, more, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, that that hit me. And each day that passed, she lost part of her magical self. Yes. And so that's why she was, it was such a race to... Find the unicorns and switch back, she might not be able to. Right. One thing I didn't remember was it being a musical. I just remembered the theme song that I'm Alive. But do you Black think unicorn. of it really as a musical? Well, it's labeled as a musical too, a musical fantasy, because oh. they have several, there are several different songs through it, but they don't really sing until right? they're in yeah. the castle where she and Prince Lear have their little love yeah. duet. <laughs> yeah, no, you're no, you're right. I didn't even. Yeah, I never would have thought of it as a musical, but you're right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, I mean a terrible one. Yeah, they weren't great songs. No. I mean, the last unicorn always like hearing that "I'm Alive" always gets me. Right. And Kenny, do you remember when Kenny Loggins did the? Welcome to Pooh Corner album. And he sang a lot of songs from like nursery rhymes. And oh, um, I don't He did like that. Rainbow Connection. And then he did a cover of The Last Unicorn on that. Oh, wow. 
Oh. On the album. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, I need to check that out. Yeah, I think he did it for like his kids or something. Well, that's sweet. Well, let's take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about some movie facts and we're going to recast the movie. Some fun facts about the movie. This is all according to Mental Floss. Peter S. Beagle, the man who wrote the book, also wrote the screenplay, and he was pretty insistent that it be him because he wanted to make sure that it wasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The Last Unicorn was originally intended for an adult audience, which no surprise there. I mean, you think about okay. some of the yeah. scenes in well, the movie. The theme of it being love and regret. Yeah. The creators of the Peanuts TV specials, they wanted to make the film. Okay. Can you imagine like a Charlie Brown version of? I feel like the tone would have been completely different. It, yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have been very different. But according to Beagle, he said that he was at a party or a gathering or something, and one of the wives of one of those guys who wanted to make it pulled Mm. him aside and said don't let us do it we're not good enough oh wow so she was a fan of the book evidently oh nice i haven't read the book have you i had the book when i was a kid of course because i was obsessed but it was a little over my head okay fantasy tends to go over like i have a hard time getting into fantasy because There are so many, especially high fantasy, like Lord of the Rings was difficult for me to read. So I put it aside because you have all the different factions and the languages and figuring out who is who and the names are so weird and hard to pronounce. So, but I remember trying to read it when I was a kid and like, I'll just stick with the movie. (laughs) No one turned down the opportunity to be cast in the movie. Oh. So evidently people who they called them and they were like, yes, we will be there. Jeff Bridges personally asked for a role in the movie and even offered to do it for free. Wow. Yeah, he had just worked That's with... That's how big this thing was? It was a pretty big book, I guess, back then. And it was once they found out Rankin Bass was doing it and they had just done the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, which yeah. was pretty popular. But Jeff Bridges had just worked with Rene Abrajanis on King Kong, and he found out that Rene had been Ah. cast, and he wanted to work with him again. So they cast him as Prince Lear. Gotcha. In the book, Prince Lear has a happier ending than in the movie version, because in the movie version, Amalthea turns back into the unicorn, and she leaves, and he's alone, and he rides off by himself. But in the book... Evidently, Molly and Schmendrick, they leave. They meet another princess who is alone, and they send her back to Prince Lear, who had stayed in the area with the intent of rebuilding the kingdom. Okay. Peter Beagle wasn't thrilled with Alan Arkin's performance as Schmendrick. He felt like he was too dull. I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. He felt honesty. like he was phoning it in. Yeah, I could totally see that. Uh, Christopher Lee also played King Haggard in the German version of The Last Unicorn. So evidently he frequently or is okay. fluent, not frequent. <laughs> He's fluent in German <laughs> and recreated his voice role. Okay. And I find this funny. German audiences love to hear America perform The Last Unicorn. Evidently it was the, the song that really made 
the movie a hit in Germany? That was a hard sentence to decipher because <laughs> I'm thinking America, the country. Oh, no, the America is the... And then, yeah, yeah, I wish you had just been in my head to get on that hamster wheel. <laughs> okay, this makes a lot more sense. It's the band America. Yes. Okay. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Kenny Loggins and also Art Garfunkel have both covered songs from the last Unicorn soundtrack. Um, that's all I've got to say. That was the love song between Amalthea and Lear. Uh-huh, um, Art uh-huh. Garfunkel covered that on his album Scissors Cut. And Kenny Loggins sang The Last Unicorn for Return to Pooh Corner in 1994. And lastly, Fergie, Black Eyed Peas fame, was obsessed with The Last Unicorn and wanted to adapt it for Broadway. Can you imagine a Fergie version of The Last Unicorn? (laughs) No, I I cannot. No, I cannot. But evidently her and her ex-husband, Josh Duhamel, had plans to produce it, but then they split and okay. didn't go anywhere. Okay. Yeah. So there we have some fun That is weird. Facts. Yeah. I can't imagine a Fergie. No. Fergie. That's, but then at the same time, like, who else? <laughs> right. <laughs> who else? Every time I think Very of Fergie, I, I used to like some of her songs, but then I just think of her peeing her pants on stage when she's part of the Black Eyed Peas and she loses all credibility. And I think of when she sang the national anthem at some yes. basketball game and ooh, honey. It was horrible. But so then bad. when she was on Kids Incorporated, I loved her. She was one of my favorites. She was amazing. Her and Martika. Yes. Yeah. Oh. God. Right. The first line of the movie, and you forgot to do first line, last line last week. As I, well, did. Lost Boys. I did. I did. Um, first line, I mislike the feel of these woods, was said by a hunter as they rode into... I miss... I mislike. Yes. That's a dumb line. I know. I was like, is mislike even a word? I didn't bother looking it up. But, I mislike. I dislike. Yeah. Well, when I typed in mislike in my OneNote, it didn't give me a spelling a correction? Error. Yeah. Wow. And then the last line is spoken by our unicorn. Farewell, good magician. I will try to go home. Yes. Sweet okay. So, yeah, mislike the definition. Guess what it is? Dislike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so we are doing a live action remake. That's our fun mm-hmm. moment. Because I feel like, you know, so many animated features get remade these days as live action. So yes. I want to talk about who we're going to cast. Okay. So let's start with our lead, the unicorn. Who did you choose? Well, this is one I cast all the time over in the other podcast because I just think she's amazing. And it's Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay. I, I think she her. has with those eyes. They're like wide set. Mm-hmm. So I think that she could pull off the unicorn eyes. She could. She's super skinny, very like ethereal, like just, I think she'd be perfect. Yeah, I can see that. See, I went a little older and also thinking if we make this a musical, who could it be? So I cast Lady Gaga because she's got okay. that different type of look. Yes, I could see that as well. And then she could also do the music. But I also thought another one who might be really good to do the music would be Florence and the Machine. Oh, that would be good. I thought Brandy Carlisle. Okay. Def- definitely totally different vibe. I see her doing it. Yeah, it would be a very different vibe. But like, yeah. Who's your Schmendrick? Hold on, let me look at my notes. I apologize. Okay, Schmendrick. I put Kevin Hart. 
As in the comedian Kevin Hart? Yes. Okay. He might be a little too old, but I feel like he's been around for a long time. Like, I think Schmendrick could do that. We get in. Um, I mean, he's kind of the comic relief of the whole okay. thing, you know? And I think he would be like, he would bring, be, uh, bring some brevity to it. Okay. Brevity? Levity? What's the right word? One of levity. those. Itties. Brevity is like short. <laughs> mm, yeah. No, he could bring some levity to it. And, uh, yeah, he's got like the charm, but the underdog quality okay. about him. See, I went younger because I felt like okay. he's still trying to come into his own. So I cast Timothy yeah. Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant? Isn't he? Wait, who's the one from Dune? Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I was like, uh, Timothy Oliphant, I, I think, I might like, be no, older than guy. Kevin Hart. <laughs> yes. I actually cast Timothy Chalamet as uh, Lear. Okay. As the prince. Yeah, so Timothy Chalamet, that's what I meant. Okay, okay. Who is your Molly? This is the one that I still, I don't know that I like my pick. I don't know. I don't know that I like my pick either, honestly. I don't know if she would have the complete chops to pull it off. Mm -hmm. But I picked Mindy Kaling. Okay. See, I went older because I felt like rather than, there was a implied but not really love story between Schmendrick and Molly. But I felt like mm. more like a mother-son thing and went older for Molly. So I chose Julianne Moore. Oh, I like that, too. I mean, because she can do no wrong. I don't think right. you can go wrong. And that's with why Julianne I went with Moore. her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was an implied kind of love between them, which is another reason I did Kevin Hart. And because they're around the same age. Mm-hmm. And then she had that line about, you know, where were you 20 years ago? Where were you 10 years ago? Right. So I figure she's like in that 30s, mm-hmm. mid to late 30s range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Who is your Lady Fortuna or Fortana, however you say it? I put Judy Dench. Okay. I went with Carol Kane. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Right. Absolutely. What about her Harry Henchman? I did Danny DeVito. I did too. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think he'd be amazing. Who's the voice of the butterfly? I did. I did um, Michael Sarah. <laughs> okay. See, I did Nick Offerman. Oh, I love that idea. I love that idea. I did Michael Sarah because I know he's he is also a musician. Okay. Um, but he's got that really distinct voice that you're almost annoyed with. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's just like, oh my god, just fucking tell me. Right. Right. <laughs> tell me where I'm supposed to go. Stop it. Um, so I feel like he'd be just annoying enough. Who's the big titty tree? Melissa McCarthy. I chose Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> oh my God, of course. <laughs> I'm going with yours. Jennifer Coolidge is perfect. Because I did have Melissa McCarthy down as Molly. Okay, yeah. I was thinking her for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, no, 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 no. I kind of like Mindy Kaling. Give her a chance to do something bigger. Yeah. Who's your King Haggard? I thought this would be a lovely full circle moment. I put Jeff Bridges. Okay. That would be a lovely full yeah. circle moment. I went with Morgan Freeman. <gasps> oh. Oh, then, I have such a hard time seeing him though as a villain. I know, but I want to flip him, like get make him yeah. do something bad. And then his as Prince Lear, Leslie Odom Jr., because he has the musical chops. And I think Ooh, he I and love Gaga. that. Together would be mm. 
make some good. I harmonies. like that. I like that mix. I Who is your like Prince Lear? Timothy Chalamet. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So according to IMDb, a live action version of the novel has toiled in development hell over the years. It's reached various states of pre-production at times, and at one point, Sir Christopher Lee and Dame Angela Lansbury were set to reprise their roles in the movie, but of course, Angela Lansbury is gone. And Christopher Lee, is is he still alive? Angela Lansbury is dead? She was, yeah. (laughs) She recently. Oh, you're right. Yes, I did know that. (laughs) You know who went through my mind? At first was Julie Andrews. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Um, Angela Lansbury, like, I will say, killed it. She did. As Mommy Fortuna. Yeah. She was incredible mm-hmm. at those things. And then Christopher Lee, I think, I feel like he died a while ago. Too. Yeah, he died in 2015. Okay. But Man, so it's been that long that it's been, like, going through. Mm-hmm. Wow. And as okay. of 2013, ongoing legal disputes. Stemming from the animated movie and then budgetary 2013 issues. or 2023? Yeah. 2013. 2013. As of 2013, oh. ongoing legal disputes stemming from the animated movie, coupled with budgetary issues, stalled the project. But author Peter S. Beagle has completed a new screenplay. I don't know how recent that was. And okay. he still expresses hopes that the movie will one day be made. I mean, I think that would be great. I think this is a great one to be made. I with do the technology too. that we loved... have now. Yeah. And the story is, I mean, even back in 1982 for being a kid's movie. I know you said that they intended adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but it being a kid's movie, I mean, it was it was a heavy movie as a kid. Like you mm-hmm. felt the weight of that bowl. Yeah. And knew that there was a lot. I mean, it was dark. Yeah. Um so I think they could do some amazing things with it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope they get it done. Yeah, it's definitely one that I think is worth remaking. Yeah, for sure. All right. How about we do some trivia? <laughs> All right. First question. Wait, hold on. Before okay. we start, can you tell me what the score is right now? I think you know? we are. You're still ahead. Okay. I think you're ahead by like two. Okay. All right. Okay. Go. All right. What small cordless vacuum cleaner was Black and Decker inspired to create after they helped NASA develop a small cordless drill for use on the moon? Uh, Dustbuster. Yes. I let this run out. Can you hear that? I can. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes. What kind of laceless shoes were sometimes worn with a coin in the tongue? Keds. Uh, oh, shite. Converse. Mm-mm. No. Uh, t- tennis shoes. <laughs> Penny loafers. Penny. Uh, hello. I'm For so some reason, dumb. I thought those were like way older than the 80s. I would think so. But were they made in the 80s? They were not made in the 80s. I don't know. I know they were popular in the 80s. I remember my sister had some. Yeah. Okay. Hello. I should have known that. Oh, Aaron, you're dumb. Go on. Right. Ready? Yes. The three men on babysitting duty and three men and a baby are played by Steve Gutenberg, Tom Selleck, and who? Ted Danson. Yes. I shouldn't even have started the countdown. No, you should not. (laughs) I was nervous you were going to ask me like their character names. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. 
All right. Next one. What astronaut became the first woman in space in 1983? Sally Ride. Yes. How did you know that? How do you not know that? <laughs> I didn't know it. <laughs> oh, I guess, I mean, it was a huge deal because it was a female. Okay. So I paid, I paid attention to the other sex. No, wait, I am that sex. I paid attention to my own sex. <laughs> All right, last one. What was the first Japanese automaker to produce to produce cars in the United States in 1982 in an Ohio factory that was making its motorcycles? Toy- oh, uh, m- making its motorcycle Hyundai Hyundai Hyundai. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Yamaha. Mm-mm. Toyota. No, <laughs> Honda. Ha- oh, you <laughs> you're really close. Hyundai. Okay, so Hyundai. <laughs> <laughs> it started with you had the right beginning letter. I had the huh. <laughs> All right, so you got three. You're still ahead. Okay, okay, I feel better. Okay, um, let's do. We got to pick my movie for two weeks yep. from now. I am going back to the '80s. We're doing '80 80 to '82. Okay, you ready? I'm gonna click yep. to spin. I shuffled three times. All right, we got to spin three times too. So yep. Okay. First one. First one is Porkies. Okay. Okay. Let me remove shuffle. It's been so long since I've seen that. All right. Next one is used cars. Okay. Okay. And shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Last one is uh oh hello. Fame. Oh god. Let's do fame. I haven't watched that in I haven't watched for in ages. Ever. Okay. All right, so we'll Excellent. do fame. Excellent. As much as I would love to revisit Porky's, I need to still cleanse my palate after where the boys are before I mm-hmm. go down that road. All right. So next week, we have a little something about Mary. Yes. And two weeks from now, we'll go back to fame because I'm going to live forever. Yeah, you are. All right. Have a good week, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to tell all of your friends about us, especially any fellow Gen Xers. And don't forget to follow us on social media and your favorite podcast app. And be sure you're set to auto-download so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. Don't forget to visit backwherewebelong.com to gain access to our ultimate playlists, pick up some merch, and do a deeper dive into all of our episodes. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. 